Welcome to the Finding God in the Body podcast. I'm your host, Ben Riggs. Before we get into this episode, I'd like to take a moment and encourage all of my listeners to subscribe to the podcast. It's now available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. I'd also like to encourage anyone uh, that's interested to go to FindingGodInTheBody.com and order the book. It's available in Kindle and paperback, and there are two options for ordering. You can order through CreateSpace, which is preferred because less of your money goes to the multi-billionaire owner of Amazon, Jeff Bezos, and more goes to me, the author. But if you are an Amazon Prime member and you want to take advantage of your free shipping, then by all means, I encourage you to do so, and please use the Amazon option to order so that you can do that. Um, if you're looking for additional ways to support the podcast, there are a couple. One would be to share episodes of the podcast that you enjoyed with your friends and family. And others, uh, another option for supporting the podcast would be to leave reviews of the podcast on the episode pages. So with all that said, we can now turn our attention towards this week's episode. And this week we're going to begin with Pat Robertson, of all people, the senile host of the 700 Club. I'm not focusing on Pat Robertson because I believe that he is someone who should be taken seriously. Well, there is one reason he should be somewhat taken seriously, and that is because he does represent the thinking of a large number of Trump's voters. I want to begin with something that he said yesterday where he called any opposition to Donald Trump a satanic force. And he also implied that the past eight years of Obama's administration was um, guided by satanic forces. So anyway, I'll just begin by letting you listen to the clip yourself. All right, Kathy says, why do so many hate President Trump and say everything he does is bad? I voted for him and believed he would make America great again, and he's already done that in many ways. So what is your answer as to why so many people do not support him and want him out? There's a desire on the part of some, and I think it's satanic, it really is spiritual, yeah. to destroy America. America is the great hope of the world. If America goes down, the lamp of freedom goes out. For there's no other champion of freedom anywhere in the world. And we would be engulfed in chaos. And so we were heading that way. Obama was bringing it on another four or eight years of Obama-style government and we would have been consumed with the socialist mentality and the freedom that we've enjoyed would be blotted out. So God gave us a reprieve, and this, this thing is spiritual. It really is spiritual. So, as you hear there, not only is opposition to Donald Trump inhuman and, in fact, satanic, but the past eight years under Barack Obama was a manifestation of the satanic forces as well. Um, and it's also interesting, and this segues nicely into his previous quote, which I think is more to my point. He also called Donald Trump's election a reprieve from those satanic forces, that God granted us a reprieve from those satanic forces with the installation of Donald Trump as the 45th president of the United States. A couple of weeks ago, he said that revolting against Donald Trump is revolting against God's plans for America. And that's really where I want to start. I mean, on its face, Pat Robertson's statement is ludicrous. But there is a subtle implication hidden within that that I'd like to address. In the mind of Robertson and his fundamentalist followers, God's will is the infallible agenda of a divine being. 
So when Pat Robertson conflates Trump's agenda with God's plan for America, he's saying that Trump's words and actions are the standard by which truth and righteousness are measured. If Trump says it, or if his White House orders it, then it must be true and good because it is through Trump that God's plan is being carried out. Now, the number of people who consciously subscribe to such theocratic nonsense is probably negligible. However, I would argue that the number of people who implicitly accept the basic premise is significant. Trump's supporters see him as the standard bearer of truth and righteousness because in him they find confirmation of their own worldview. An individual's worldview is their cognitive orientation toward the world. It is a constellation of ideas that we use to map out the terrain and navigate our way through our territory. In short, the individual's worldview is the operating system of their conscious mind. Think of ideas as living entities in and of themselves. Like all living entities, they struggle to survive and propagate themselves. In the world of ideas, the best way to ensure survival is to create an inbred system of consciousness where incoming information is measured against pre-existing ideas. This closed system enables the individual to incorporate any information that reaffirms or further secures their basic worldview while rejecting disagreeable propositions at the exact same time. Additionally, any information that is not pertinent to their worldview is deemed irrelevant and simply ignored. This inbred system establishes our worldview as the metric by which the truth and value of information is measured. And this is called confirmation bias. Confirmation bias is the tendency to interpret information through the lens of preconceived ideas. This phenomenon is not limited to Trump supporters, nor is it new. People on the left and the right have suffered this shortcoming for as long as there has been a left and a right. But the competing worldviews of the left and the right have grown further apart in recent years. In fact, I believe we're living in a political singularity where the two competing worldviews are so divergent that compromise is nearly impossible. Politics has become a zero-sum game, the winner of which will determine the trajectory of American politics for the foreseeable future. In a Fox News interview, Rush Limbaugh recently said, People who voted for Donald Trump really believed they would lose their country if Hillary Clinton won. I suspect that many liberals woke up on November 9th with similar feelings. I know I did. Trump's movement is antithetical to everything the left and some moderate Republicans believe. He did not create this movement. It has been lurking beneath the surface for years. He just tapped into it and introduced it to the mainstream. A representative democracy can't function without compromise, though, so the introduction of Trumpianism will force a political realignment. Whether the center moves towards the left or towards the right remains to be seen, but you can rest assured that there will be a political realignment. There is a battle to define the new political center in America. And Trump's movement is a form of nationalism, similar to that which is seen in Russia. It's a brand of nationalism that dabbles in racism. In fact, Steve Bannon himself talked about how within right-wing nationalist movements, there are always elements of racism. Now, he seemed to be optimistic. Well, you could argue he seemed to be optimistic that this racism just washes out in the end. I think what he was doing was just trying to sweep it under the rug so he didn't have to ask any, answer any difficult questions about the racism. But nonetheless, he does acknowledge that within these far-right-wing movements, there are always elements of racism. But that racism is not the central focus of the nationalism that Donald Trump promotes. The central focus is traditionalism. Racism is on the perimeter, and I do believe that Donald Trump needed 
those racist elements in order to secure victory. So he couldn't push them far away. In Louisiana, where I live, David Duke was one of six Republican candidates running for the open Senate seat vacated by David Vitter. And as a sixth candidate, David Duke, the former Grand Wizard of the Ku Klux Klan, received 3% of the vote. That means 60,000 people in Louisiana voted for the former Grand Wizard of the Ku Klux Klan, though they were given five other options within the Republican Party. So there are a significant number of racists in Donald Trump's camp. Uh, But anyway, the central impetus of Donald Trump and Steve Bannon's brand of nativistic nationalism is traditionalist views. Essentially, their view of nationalism equates national identity with right-wing Judeo-Christian ideals and unapologetically defends that identity against secularization. Donald Trump's brand of nationalism and Steve Bannon's brand of nationalism, in fact, I would argue that Donald Trump inherited Jeff Sessions and Steve Bannon's brand of nationalism. He didn't invent it by any stretch of the imagination. But that brand of nationalism sees secularism as a threat. Steve Bannon told in a, a crowd at the Vatican in a speech back in 2014, I believe, that I certainly think secularism, secularism has sapped the strength of, Jude- of the Judeo-Christian West to defend its ideals. So he sees secularism as something that's preventing the West from defending its ideals, not one of the central ideals of Western democracy, which is interesting. The Trumpist worldview sees immigration and the rising tide of secularization, globalization, religious pluralism, and egalitarianism as signs of impending doom. And all of that was exacerbated by terrorism. The culture war, the intensity behind the culture war, increased dramatically after 9-11. And furthermore, Donald Trump's supporters are frustrated by political correctness, which in their view is it's not an attempt to be polite and to be sensitive to other people. It, it's nothing more than a system or rules of engagement that shield the liberal agenda from criticism and transform traditional beliefs into social taboos. And in Trump, his supporters see someone who is willing, not just willing, but able to wage the kind of culture war required to preserve their worldview and therefore their identity. And it's interesting because when they elected Trump, they overlook serious character flaws. I mean, you had video recording of this man talking about grabbing women by the pussy and kissing them without consent. I mean, you literally had this man on tape bragging about sexually assaulting women. And the far right, people who for years, not just the far right, the right, who were people who for years had held the mantle of family values, were suddenly supporting a man who, uh, some comedian here recently said it, and I can't remember who it was, but who loved family so much that he couldn't quit creating them. Um, He's a thrice-married man who brags about his philandering. So they overlooked serious character flaws and qualities that were antithetical to everything they'd stood for in the past, but they did that because they were voting for expediency. They did the same thing with Milo Yiannopoulos. They they liked him because in him they saw someone who was willing and able 
to fight the kind of war you had to fight to win that culture war with the left. To win that war with what Pat Robertson calls those satanic forces. And it wasn't until Donald Trump was elected that the right was finally willing to abandon Milo Yiannopoulos. The tapes that ultimately did Milo in were not even new tapes. They had been out for eight months and a year. It wasn't like everybody just learned that he said that. What was different was Donald Trump was president, so they had a new troll, or his usefulness had run its course. They had someone to fill that place, and because in Trump they saw the same thing that they saw in Milo, when they voted for Trump, they were voting for expediency. They were voting for someone who they saw as a wrecking ball, someone who could go in there and drain the swamp, destroy the system, so on and so forth. And it's obvious, if you go back to the question um, from the 700 Club, Kathy, the person who sent the question in, says, in so many ways, Donald Trump's already made America great again. And you're, you, you have to stop and wonder, how? What has he done? Everything he's done, with the exception of the nomination of Neil Gorsuch, has been bogged down in scandal and chaos. Well, you have to add his speech to a, a joint session of Congress. To that list. I, I didn't particularly care for the content of the speech, but it was the first time in his adult life that he was able to stand before cameras and stay on message and read from the script. And so that was a milestone for him. But apart from that, which is a very low bar, and the nomination of Neil Gorsuch, everything he's done has been marred by chaos and scandal. And so you have to ask yourself, what is it that Kathy's seeing? Well, Kathy isn't actually seeing reality when she says that Donald Trump's already made America great again in so many ways. What Kathy sees is confirmation of her own worldview. She sees her worldview embodied by Donald Trump. At the end of the day, what she sees is those satanic forces, so to speak, that represent the left's political agenda, being trolled, being viciously trolled in press conferences by an erratic, dishonest, aggressive man. And that's what they that's what they elected. They elected a wrecking ball. So when we watch that press conference and we see someone who looks like they're off their meds, a lot of Trump supporters see exactly what they elected him to do. They are voting for him out of spite for the left. In the same interview that I quoted earlier from Fox News, Rush Limbaugh raised another point that I agree with, though I don't relish it like he does. Trump has a connection with his supporters that most politicians do not. And that connection is not anything that anybody else can break. Not the media, not progressives, not liberals, not moderate Republicans. Lindsey Graham, John McCain, Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, Bernie Sanders, and Wolf Blitzer could all get together and come out with one voice and criticize Donald Trump, and it wouldn't do one one-hundredth of a percent of damage to the support that his followers have for him. Trump supporters are identified with him. They are invested in him personally. Earlier I said that confirmation bias is something that exists on both the left and the right. But the left is shielded in many ways from the type of messianic, or cult-like following that Donald Trump has received. And the reason they are, uh, David Frum actually pointed this out in a podcast not that long ago with Sam Harris. The point that Frum mentioned that I thought was two points that I thought were really important 
were that a Trump support is a much more monolithic block. He's able to uh, 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 white working class Americans are able to identify both with his plain spoken ways, his angry demeanor and his white exaggerated masculinity might be a good word for it. Um, Whereas on the left, you have a much more diverse voting block. You have a lot of women, Hispanics. You also have a lot of uh, white men. You have a large African-American voting block. You have a large concentration of college-educated people. So it's a much more diverse group of people with differing worldviews. So it's difficult to prop up one person that they could all personally identify with. They might agree with their agenda intellectually, but that level of personal identification doesn't take place. Another interesting point that Fromm raised was that the left tends to get their information from a variety of sources, whereas the right typically gets their information from AM radio and Fox News. There are certain outlets that promoted Bernie Sanders' view of liberalism, and there were others that promoted Hillary Clinton's view of liberalism, and therefore you had a very divided party on the left. There were only really two serious candidates, but on the right there were 16, and they managed to all more or less get behind Donald Trump from the start because they're a much more monolithic base. And because of that, it enabled Donald Trump's supporters to, it, it, it creates the conditions that are necessary for someone to jump behind a candidate and personally identify with them. And then, like I said earlier, Donald Trump's exaggerated masculinity, his anger, um, his resentment and spite towards the left, particularly, or not just the left, but intellectual elitist type politicians, and um, furthermore, his, his whiteness, all enabled his supporters to get behind him and personally identify with him. In him, they see themselves. So for Trump to be wrong, they also have to be wrong. And you have to remember that the mind is structured in a way to prevent that from happening. It's structured in such a way to resist that claim because all new information is being judged. Its value or worth, its accuracy is being judged against pre-existing ideas. So if Donald Trump, in my preconceived worldview, is a patriotic man who's going to make America great again, and new information comes in that says, well, actually, no, he's a self-serving man who seems to be either being blackmailed by Russia or conspiring with Russia in order to increase his own personal wealth or fortune, his family's fortune. And some, for some reason, he is in bed with Russia. The reason we don't know, but it's obvious there are just too many connections between his campaign and Russia. When that information comes in, people like Kathy do not hear that because that information is judged against the pre-existing idea that Donald Trump is a patriot, a reprieve that God sent here to um, rescue us from the satanic forces that the left represent. And because of that, that information is discarded. It's, 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 it's seen as untrue. And then Donald Trump comes along and says, yeah, of course it's untrue. It was given to you by a lying fake news media. And then Kathy hears that and goes, well, that makes sense. Because it makes sense of her worldview. It doesn't actually make sense in the scheme of things. It, it, it makes sense of her worldview. Her mind is actually structured to resist the claim that she is wrong. And because she is personally identified with Donald Trump, it is by default structured to resist the claim that Donald Trump is wrong. Now, I don't think he enjoys that type of messianic status with everyone who voted for him. 
But there is a core group of 35 to 40% of his supporters who see him as this cult-like avatar of their own consciousness. In their eyes, Donald Trump can do no wrong because right and wrong are defined by the values that constitute their worldview. And he is the personification of that worldview. For example, opinion of Vladimir Putin skyrocketed amongst Republicans when Trump's curious relationship with him came into focus. Forced to decide whether Putin, who is a corrupt and murderous autocrat, had been unfairly maligned by the West, or whether Trump was wrong, 27% of Republicans adopted a more favorable position of Vladimir Putin. In other words, there are two options. Vladimir Putin is a more murderous and corrupt dictator, or he is not. If he is, then Donald Trump's relationship with him is unsavory to say the least. But for the group of people who are personally identified with Trump, they're unable to accept that Vladimir Putin is a murderous and corrupt kleptocrat. Because to accept that claim would be to accept that Donald Trump is in league with people like that, which their brain cannot do. So instead, 27% of them adopted a more favorable view of Putin. That was their only out. That was the only way they could proceed. So when you add that 27% to the 10% of people on the far right who already saw Putin in a favorable light, that's where you find that 37% of Trump's core support on the Republican side. That 37% is the, is, that's the group of people he was referring to when he said, I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody and I wouldn't lose any voters. Nothing can sever the connection between Trump and those core supporters. Not the media, not other Republicans, not Democrats especially, not even reality. They can hear him on a hot mic bragging about sexually assaulting women and still believe him when he says, no one has more respect for women than I do. Believe me. That is the most ridiculous statement, and yet his supporters accept it. Built into the relationship between Trump and his supporters is the belief that any criticism of Trump is part of the conspiracy to undermine his supporters' core beliefs and values. They react viscerally to attacks against Trump because they experience them as personal attacks. And that's the point where Donald Trump becomes the L. Ron Hubbard of the Republican Party. Because at that point, that's where he can do no wrong. He has successfully tapped into the identity of a large swath of Republican voters. For his core supporters, Trump's agenda may as well be God's plan for America. And like God's will, something is true, at least in the mind of Trump's supporters, because he said it. Something is righteous and necessary because he ordered it. And that's a formidable force. Just this past weekend, Donald Trump accused Barack Obama of illegally tapping his phones during the election. And James Clapper, the former head of national intelligence, came forward and beat back his claim. And reportedly, James Comey was working behind the scenes to get the Justice Department to walk back his claim because it also implies that the FBI illegally tapped Trump's phone. But none of that matters. The various heads of the intelligence community, all of the fact-checkers and all of the worlds combined could come together and in a single voice repudiate Donald Trump's accusation. And it wouldn't make a bit of difference in the mind of his supporters. The claim is true because Donald Trump made it. And that is what we are up against in 2020. In 2016, we underestimated him. We had no idea that he enjoyed that level of support, that, de that depth of support, that type of personal identification. If we go into 2020 divided against one another like we were in 2016, 
with moderate Republicans and liberals and progressives looking at one another and saying that they can't find common ground. If we're divided like that in 2020, we will lose again in 2020, just as we did in 2016, and for the same reason. You cannot beat Trump by beating back his claims. You cannot fact check Trump to death. The only thing you can do to defeat Donald Trump is to find common ground with all those that oppose him, with all those that oppose his nationalistic, protectionistic worldview, with all those that oppose his nativist immigration policies and his dog whistles to racist America. The only way to defeat Donald Trump is for all those that oppose him to come together and revolt against his plan for America. To revolt, as Pat Robertson says, against God's plan for America.